Shalom, everybody. Nice to be back in Chicago. For those who don't know, I was here maybe 30 years ago in Skokie. Thank God, Baruch Hashem. So I have some affinity, some connection to Chicago and, uh, and the kosher Dunkin' Donuts and Eichenstein. It was nice to be here, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> oh, you better believe it. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Okay, so we are going to go into the topic of Simcha from the perspective of Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman is known for a famous statement, which many people have questions upon, and that's a statement called Mitzvah Gedola Liot Besimcha Tamid. It's a big mitzvah to always be happy. And always in the, in the Litvish world, they say, where is it written? Where is it written to be a Besimcha? Where is it written? And it's very clear. It's the cup behind all the mitzvot, Parashat Kitavo, where it's listed all the curses, right? You have 98 curses there, Arur, Arur, and all the things, and all these terrible things. <coughs> Hashem says, this will fall upon you, this and that. And then it says, why is this happening? Tachat asher lo avadetem et Hashem elokechem besimcha uvtuv levav. You know why this is happening? Because you didn't serve Hashem with joy. It's a pasuk, it's a chumash, it's not a chasidish word. <laughs> you didn't serve Hashem with simcha and a good heart. The verse doesn't say all this punishment is because you didn't serve Hashem. It didn't say that. The pasuk is saying, you didn't serve Hashem besimcha. To show that this is the key for the continuity of being able to continue to do mitzvot is that you have simcha. Obvious reason is that when a person now has a, a love and a kesher with Hashem and with his mitzvot and, and his Torah and it's not a burden, then he will hold on through thick and thin as opposed to someone now who you give him Judaism as a burden, oh, I have to get up in the morning, oh, I have to do this and put on tefillin, and it's a burden, and he, and he doesn't like doing it, he forces himself. Such a person, when he's faced with dire straits and difficult situations, he'll drop his Yiddishkeit, he'll drop it off. They have this famous story, as a kid I remember hearing it, that when the Jews were coming to Ellis Island, right? The Jews were coming before World War II, World War I, tons of families coming to Ellis Island, and the situation in America at the time was very difficult. You had to work six days a week, which means the one day off is Sunday, which means you have to work on Shabbos. So many of these from families from Eastern Europe, they came to Ellis Island, and it was a challenge. They don't show up to work on a Saturday morning. They lose their job. It's very easy. You don't show up, you lose your job. So many families, they said, no way, we're not going to work on Shabbos. We'll, Hashem will help us. We'll try to find a way, etc., etc. So we had two families, similar situations. They didn't show up to work on Shabbos morning. They lost their jobs. Next week, it takes time now to find a new job. You don't find it immediately on, on Sunday, Monday. It takes time to find it. So it means less days of work. They finally find a job. And they get a little, they ha they're living off the pay from the paycheck from the previous week. Okay, that's all they got. So now it's less pay. And then again, they don't work for the next, next Shabbos. So, the, so now it's like they, they got to pay for maybe three or four days. And the next week, it goes down two days, one day, it goes down in finding the possibility of finding a job until there's like almost, almost no money left. So these two families, the exact same scenario, they came to the Shabbos table and there's no food. And the kids were starving. So one family, the father couldn't take it. He couldn't see his kids bitter and crying, Abba, where's, you know, we have nothing to eat and this and that. And he was so tzabrochen, he was so in pain because of it. And he couldn't continue. He, he just broke under the pressure of feeling this stress and pressure that what am I going to do? How am I going to get this, that, 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 that? That he fell in. And yes, he went to work the next Shabbos. And this guy lost all of his kids. Intermarriage, assimilation, he lost them. Five, ten years down the road, 
he, he gave in to Shabbos, he lost his Shabbos, he didn't have that protection of Shabbos for his family. There was another family, another guy, the same scenario, there was no food at home. They came Shabbos Friday and there was no food at home. But he, believing that always Hashem is there, and there's always a handle, Hashem won't throw someone into a bad situation, and a person, <coughs> sorry, won't lose out by doing mitzvot, he took it as a, as a growth stage. He took that scenario and he built it into Simcha. So what happened was, the Shabbos table, there was no food. So he told his kids, this Shabbos, it's only singing to Hashem. He took his kids on his laps, there's no food, and he started singing the Shabbos mirrors, and he was radiating this Simcha, this joy, of being one of Hashem on Shabbat with no food even, okay? He got his kids. Hashem in the end opened, he found a way out, Eventually, he found his own job. He opened a, he opened a business where he didn't have to work on Shabbos. He can decide when he works, etc. This man succeeded on having a continuity with his family because he was able to show in them that there's a simcha, that it's not as bad as it, as it seems. You can hold on and, 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 and use it as a stepping stone, which is what he did, and in that way, he was able to pass it on. Okay? So from this, you see that simcha is needed for Torah performance. If you raise the children and make it to feel like you have to get up, you have to do this, and you make them feel it's negative, okay, and it's not with Yamin Mekarev small Docha. In other words, it's not just that, you know, you have to do this, you get punished, not, but there's also the Simcha, and it's a big part, you have better chances that this will stay with the person forever. Because it's out of Ahava and out of Simcha. That's our generation today. Our generation is very weak and feeble that we can't take the Musa so much. Rav Nosani writes that it may be that the Musa books where they scare a person, that Shita may have worked maybe a few hundred years ago, 200, 300, 400 years ago, where people were able to learn the book Reshit Chochmah and read all these scary things of what happens when a person dies, what happens in Gehinnam, what happens in the cavern, all these things, and they were able to wake up from that. But you tell these type of things to people today, they just run away from it. It doesn't help. We're so weak. We need every drop of chizuk possible today. So Musa's farm, as big as they are, if now the effect is going to be negative, so we, had, we can't learn that. Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nossin, he had a, his son, Rabbi Yitzchak, and he told him he had this problem. He said, I have a difficulty learning Musa's farm, like Rashid Chochmah, because it makes me sad and depressed. So he said, Rabbi Nossin, the author of the Rashid Chochmah, had no intent to break you with his book. And if now you do feel broken, so learn something else. There's many books in the Torah, many books in, in Yiddishkeit and in the Torah, and you need the uplifting attitude because that's what's going to keep you today. This is our scenario, situation today, where everybody needs this boost of Simcha to serve Hashem. This is the way. The Gemara says, Masechet Brachot, Daf Lamed, of two Amoraim, Rabbi Zera and Abaye, that they were exceedingly happy. Over extreme, over extreme happiness, okay? They were both criticized by their Talmudim. Or the, or the Rebbe's. One says it's a Rebbe, one says it's a Talmud. Someone asked Rabbi Zera, you know, there's a Pasuk that says, Vegilu birada. It says to rejoice, but with trepidation. You have, to have a, you have to have a limitation on your joy, okay? And Abaya was asked another Pasuk. It says in Mishlei, Bechol etzev yye motar, which means that there's an advantage. Yesh motar, there's a yitaron. There's an advantage of having some atzvut in life. You need some atzvut to have your limitation because if you're just so lightheaded and jumping and happy, you're apt to make many mistakes, to do things which are crazy and go off the path. Both answered the same answer. They both said, we're wearing tefillin. 
I'm wearing tefillin now, tefillin kamanachna, and I have every right to be happy about this mitzvah that I'm doing of tefillin. The commentaries say there in the Gemara, in Brachot there, that it's true that a person has to limit, he has to put a break on what's called simcha of this world. Enjoying and, and having good delight and happiness from this world. Because yes, it can lead to kalut rosh, it can lead to being lightheaded, and can lead to being lax in mitzvah performance. Yes, that's possible when it comes to this world. Okay, you go on a vacation and everything, and there's a party and everything, and you start drinking everything, you lose it. You, you can lose it. You, you said a bracha, you don't say the bracha, you wake up late, you have the hangover, you miss, you miss kretschma. Yes, there's, a, there's room for that. Okay. But when it comes to doing mitzvot, which by, by the way, by a Jew, it's almost always... There's so many mitzvot in the life of a Jew. Take a look at the Mishnah Bura, Chafetz Chaim, right? Mishnah Bura, the very opening Biur Halacha, the opening Biur Halacha Mishnah Bura. He lists six mitzvot that a Jew can do just by thought, just by thinking about Hashem in a certain way. You think of Hashem's achdut and his malchut, you get a mitzvah here. You get a, he lists six mitzvot that a Jew can do constantly just by thought, okay? Rav Nosen also, by the way, in extension, he explains... The famous Rabbi Hananya ben Akasha, who says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to bring, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Zakot Israel, Hashem wanted to bring merit to the Jewish people, so he gave them a lot of Torah and Mitzvot. So Rav Nosen asked, that's a merit? He gave us a lot of Torah and Mitzvot, that's a burden. That's not a merit. So he says, Rav Nosen, that because there's so many Mitzvot, every time a Jew turns, he's apt to do some type of a Mitzvot. Whenever he does something tiny, it's a mitzvah here, a mitzvah there. There's tons. There's an old lady crossed the street. You got some mitzvah there. You did this favor for your father. You got kibud of em plus chesed plus azov tazov. Also combinations. There's tons and tons of mitzvah that a Jew is doing nonstop in a day. Okay? So because there's so many mitzvot, every time you turn, you're doing something. Which means now, the life of a Jew from the morning to the evening is filled with mitzvot. Okay? That means... Simcha is needed constantly. As if your whole day is filled with mitzvot. So now the, the factor of, mitzvot, of, of joy is necessary to be able to live. It's called simcha t'chaim. The simcha of a Jew in doing mitzvot is also akin to equal to the simcha of living. Okay? So for all this we see, we need simcha in life. It should be a major area of investment. Not okay to be happy, tell me to be happy and everything. And okay, I'll, I'll try to think about it. No. This is where a person should invest, because this is where the key is, okay? We're going to tell now a story. We're going to see how simcha is not just the key, but for, is needed, but you see that it also it's needed to solve solutions in life. So there's this famous story of Rav Zusha of Anapoli and his brother, Rav Elimelech of Lizhensk, okay? The high league of Elimelech, and they were traveling incognito. They did this thing that they were hidden, going from city to city. No one knew who they were. They were dressed as simple people. They came to a certain shtetl, a certain village, where there was a curfew. 8 p.m., you're not allowed to be on the street. If you're on the street, you get arrested as a, as a, as a precaution against burglars, murderers, robbers, thieves, etc. They would arrest any, everybody who was out, out after 8 p.m., put him in a jail cell in the morning, and they would see who you are, what are you doing, etc., and let them go. So it happened, Rav Zusha, they came to this village, 10 to 8. They had no time to prepare where they're going to sleep, etc. They were on the street, it's 8 p.m. The police saw them, the cops took them, put them in the jail cell. The jail cell was a big giant room with mattresses all over around. And in the middle was the bathroom, the toilet for, for relieving themselves. Which means, you can't dive in, you can't learn, nothing. There's the smell and there's the, the halachic situation where you can't dive in. So Rav Elimelech, was broken. Rav Zusha, who was always the happy brother, 
he came up to his brother, Rabbi Lamelech, why are you so, why are you so broken? He said, well, I'm not going to be broken. I have to say, I have to daven Marv, I can't daven Marv now. I have to say Kretschmer, I can't say Kretschmer now. What do I be happy about? I have nothing right now. What's to be happy about? So Rav Zusha said, Adraba. He, remind, he couldn't say the halacha because you can't see Torah in front of this, in this scenario. He reminded him of the halacha that says in the Shulchan Aruch that if you're in a situation where you have to say, for example, Kriyat Shema or Davin Mariv, whatever, and you can't, so you say in your heart, Rebona Shalom, I want to do your will. I want to do your Ratzon, but I can't because of the scenario that I'm in. So your Ratzon, it should be your will, Hashem, that it should be considered as if I actually did it. And halacha says that with this Ki'ilu, this as if, you are accredited to the mitzvah. So Rav Zusha told his brother, Rabbi Melech, you, Mr. Lechatchila Tzadik, always doing mitzvot properly and with such kavana and shlemut. Now you get for the first time in your life to do the mitzvah like this. You should be ecstatic. You should be so happy. And he convinced him that it was a real simcha that he's doing the mitzvah like this, that they started dancing in the jail cell. In the jail cell sorry. So everybody was watching these two chasidim dancing. What's, what's going on? You're dancing in the, in the prison cell. Everyone's sad and broken and tisha b'av. So they saw that everybody was sad and looking at them. So they quickly took everybody's hands and they all started dancing, dancing around the toilet. They make a big circle around the toilet. So the warden hears all this noise that people are singing and if and that. He said, what's this noise? They told him, it's because of the toilet. He said, oh really? So the warden went into the cell. He took out the toilet. Rav Zusha told Rav Limach, now you can dive in, my friend. Here you go. What's the point? That simcha is not only a means but it's also, Rabbi Nachman teaches, it's a solution. It's a solution. It opens up an avenue that didn't exist before. You didn't even think about it. If now a person does the right thing when pressured, which is to work on being v'simcha, yes, then Hashem opens up an opening that didn't exist. He shows it, it's hinted to in a simple pasuk that we say every Motzei Shabbat, ki v'simcha tetzeu. Ki is a prophecy on the future time that it says when Mashiach comes and the Gila happens, you will come out with joy, right? Besimcha. So he teaches Rabbi Nachman, Ki besimcha. Through simcha, you will come out. Come out of what? Of any situation that you're stuck in. Any situation in life where you feel it's a dead end and the dead end is causing you despair, anxiety, sadness, depression, it's really eating at you, and it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be that. If this is the real thing that Hashem wants, I shouldn't be sad and despaired, okay? So now, if it is leading this to me, I have the wrong address here. Here he teaches, the simcha opens up the door to find the solution. There was once a breast liver. He lived in Tzvat. Uh, <coughs> he was so poor, he couldn't afford going to Meron, to Davin, by Rabbi Shimon, by Yochai Kever, by wagon. So he would walk on foot from Tzfat to Meron, very occasionally, like maybe a few times a week. That's the level he was at. His shoes wore out. So he woke up one morning, his shoes are not working. And he needs his shoes to walk, to go and do everything. So he said, To stay like this is not good for me. It's not good for you either. Because I can get angry and upset and everything. I don't have shoes, okay? So, or Hashem, give me the dot that I don't need shoes so I can accept it b'simcha and bemuna. Or give me shoes. <laughs> but to stay like this, Hashem, to have no shoes and be negative about it, that's not a solution. This is what's expected of us. That if now we're in a situation and it's making us feel bad and we really feel bad about it, that's not the, it can't be the emet. This is, can't be the solution. Or my perspective is not right. Or something can be done. 
And this is what Rabbi Nachman teaches, what Simcha does. Simcha opens up an avenue that didn't exist before, or, di- or, or did exist, but I simply couldn't see it because I'm overwhelmed by the situation. I lack clarity. Simcha gives you the right lens to see clearly how to deal with the situation and find the way out. Hashem. We have another story from Rabbi Nachman, an analogy, a parable that he gave of a clay digger. There was once a clay digger in Eastern Europe. His job, poor guy, digging clay. <laughs> what, what, what type of life is that to dig clay? And that's his parnasa, okay? He came across a giant jewel, a diamond. While digging, he found a big, big chunk of a diamond. He flipped out. He said, wow, this must be worth tons. He went quickly to the local jeweler in this little village, whatever. He wanted an, 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 an evaluation. How much does this cost? He said, I can't give you, I can't give you an evaluation how much it costs. It's too big. So what to do? All I can suggest is you go all the way to England to the biggest diamond exchange in, in London, there they give you an assessment and evaluation how much this costs. So this little Jew, this poor guy, he sold his house, he sold his wagon, his horses, his furniture, his bed, everything he sold, his table, okay, his farm, he sold everything. And with the money, he purchased tickets to travel to get to England. His money ran out as he reached the edge of the European continent. That's it, the money's finished. Now he needs to cross... The, the water, the body of water to get to England, okay? So he saw there a giant, giant ship with a captain, of course. He approached the captain. He showed him the diamond. He says, look, my money is here. I'm not hiding anything. Here's the money right over here. I can't pay you now. I don't have cash. Let me on your ship. Give me, give me, give me lodge, lodging to go on your, on your ship. And I'll pay you as we get to England. Not a problem. The, the captain saw the diamond. He says, no problem. He gave him the nice penthouse suite. The best, best place on, on the ship. He escorted him. He took his little bags with him. He brought him to the nice penthouse. He sat with him. They had a table prepared. He, the Jew took out his toast or whatever he brought with him. And he was eating. He put the diamond on the table. And the captain was asking, where you're from? And this and that and all that. And he began to doze off. The captain left the room. While he was sleeping, the steward came to clean the table off. And the steward didn't see the diamond. So he took the whole tablecloth with the diamond. He went to the deck. He shook off everything over there, including the diamond. Okay, after 10 minutes, he wakes up, he sees the tablecloth clean, and he understood what happened. He said, I'm finished. My life is finished. We're talking about these captains from 200 years ago. They're not, not nice, such nice people, like Captain Crunch. I don't know. He's really, you know, tough people, tough captains, okay? He's going to kill him. He's ruthless. And the Jew started to plot. What am I going to do? What's going to be now? <laughs> where, where, where's, that? Where's, the, where's the hope? Between me and death, there's nothing. There's no, there's no separation. What can I possibly do, Ribbon Shalom, to save me from the, in this situation, this scenario? So he thought of one thing. It's, it's a, it, in itself, it's a chidush that he thought about this, but that's the whole, that's the whole point of what we're, what we're trying to get to tonight. He realized the one thing between him and death is if he puts on a smiley face as if nothing happened, as if nothing went wrong, as if everything's okay. He said, this is a possibility. It's the only thing I can think of that can help me to, thank you, that can save me in this situation. So he did that. He put on a smile. He started practicing on how to smile. Even though he's under stress, he started like <laughs> smiling and everything. After like half an hour, the captain knocked on the door. He opens the door. And he sees the captain with a very serious expression. Very worried expression, but like, not, like, like submitted. So he said, yes, how can I help you? So he said, listen, I see you're an honest person. I have to ask you a very, very big favor. I have on this ship, the whole ship, in fact, 
is filled with a giant, giant load of wheat. It's for the English country, for the for, for people of England. It's so much here, it's probably for the whole entire continent, the whole, the whole continent of England there. And it's worth much more than your diamond. As big as your diamond is, the wheat that I have here is much, much bigger. Now the problem is, they know me in England. I'm, I'm both the merchant and the captain. And because of that, there's high tax rate on me because I'm a common merchant. That was the law back then, that they have a higher tax. If you were to bring it in on your name and you're a new guy, so the taxes are like very like minimal, nothing. Do me a favor, please. Let's put all the wheat on your name. And when we cross the border, you just sign it back to me. So the Jew thought to himself, thank God, this is what's going to save me. This is my, my opening here. He said, for sure, no problem. They did the deal. They signed it. They went to the borders. The taxes were paid, whatever. And then right before, he was able to give it back, to sign it back to the captain. The captain started to gasp with chest pains and all over. And he collapsed and he died, simply. And the wheat was left in the, under the name of the Jew. So Renachman ends this story with the idea. He said like this, and this is the idea we want to get to. The diamond really did not belong to the Jew, proof being that it was taken away from him. The wheat, however, did really belong to, the, to this Jewish person because, in the end, it stayed with him. And how did he get to what was really destined to be his, that really belonged to him? It was because he put on that smiling face. Because just imagine, if now he had a word expression and this captain... First of all, who says it would have happened? That's what I want to get to. But that if it happened that the captain opened the door and he sees him worried, he's not going to ask him this favor. And it's doomsday for the guy. How did he get to this wheat? Is because he put on a smiley face. He pretended to be happy. He acted as if it was, it was okay. And the point of the story is, who says, who would have thought, who would have thought that this captain would ask such a request? He didn't think it. It could be, we see from this story, that his positive attitude to try to be happy generated a solution. It generated the solution to exist. Again, when I'm mamash cornered in life, my only way out really is to activate simcha. Okay? So now, the big question is, how? How do you activate simcha? If now the daily grind of life makes it that we have Tisha B'Av almost every day, it's so hard to lift ourselves up. This happens, and that happens on a daily basis. It's not easy to be b'simcha. So Rabbi Nachman teaches the main way for people today, seeing how much people are so sad and broken and depressed, the main way for people to be happy today is to act silly, to tell jokes, to act in a silly way. Yes. Should I, should I do it again? I think I should do it again. I'm going to make everyone laugh. Ready? Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. No one's laughing. <laughs> I got him, I got him. Good, Baruch Hashem. Simply acting silly, everyone's smiling, even the woman of the Baruch Hashem. Okay? It works. He says, the, single, the, jo the joking and silliness, this is the way out. In Malasot, why is, it, why, why is this the only way out? Because, again, people are so trapped in their sadness and being serious and stiff-necked and everything. You need some silliness, some or even more, some people even more, in order to get in an uplifting attitude. It's not expected you to stay like this all day, but if you are trapped where you are in such choshech, you need a boost from any handle that's available. And he teaches Rabbi Nachman the main handle for people today is yes, to tell jokes and to be silly and, and to be in an upbeat mood in order to come to genuine simcha. Rav Nosen, he adds to this, that this is the way, because the simcha of holiness, since we're in exile in Galut, is trapped in the evil side. Simcha of Kedusha, 
is taken away from us. Our Beit HaMikdash, which was the, the Makom of Simchatin, like we say in the Musaf of, of, Yamim, of, of, of Yamim Tovim, it's a Makom of Simcha, that was destroyed. It was taken away from us. Meaning also, the Simcha attached to the Beit HaMikdash also is an exile. How could we bring it out? So we have to use their attitude, the attitude of the evil side, which is jokes and silliness, and that's how we bring out the Simcha to the side of holiness. So acting, jo- acting silly, joking, is something very constructive. It builds, it helps with Hashem in getting a person in that attitude of being positive. And you're going to need it. You're going to need it in life because life has its scary, unexpected situations like Rabbi Nutam says in Sefer Yashar that everybody in life gets hit. Some people get hit in the beginning, some people in the middle, some people later on in life. But everybody, sooner or later, gets a big, a, the big situation, the big difficult situation, and the big question is, how are you going to handle it when it comes your way? So if now a person is training himself in his subconscious to always be besimcha, so when he's faced with a real terrible situation, by reflex, he will go to simcha. It will be an instinct to go to do the right thing, Vizat Hashem, as opposed to going nuts. I have to speak to this guy, to this psychiatrist, this psychologist, or this therapist, and this rabbi, and this lawyer, and this person's going nuts. And, he then, and at the end, after doing all these ishtadut, he sees he didn't get anywhere still. He's still very far. Whereas, if he just stopped everything and went into the world of simcha, Hashem sends him the openings, sends him the situations which he didn't even think of, which possibly didn't even exist. It's made as an opening now. This is Rabbi Nachman's first and foremost advice to be besimcha. By the way, it's, it's worth noting that Rav Nosin writes about this, that the simcha in doing a mitzvah, believe it or not, is even greater than the mitzvah itself. If the Pasuk says, Tachat Asher, the reason why all these klalot in Parshat Kitab are coming is because you didn't serve Hashem besimcha, that shows us that the goal of the mitzvah is to come to be besimcha, right? So he says, Rav Nassim, believe it or not, that the goal of tefillin in the morning, the goal of the, of the lulav and the etrog and Shabbat and Yom Kippur and Tzedakah and Talmud Torah and tefillah and all the mitzvah that you're doing is to come to this simcha which is hidden behind the mitzvah. That's the goal. The, the means is the mitzvah. But the goal is the simcha that's hidden behind the mitzvah. Rabbeinu Bachye and Parshat Naso, he has a nice, like, a lengthy drash there on the Pasuk about the Levim, where it says there's Avodat Avodah. By the Levim, it says by Merari, there was what's called Avodat Masa. They had the service of carrying the beams of the Mishkan. And there was another service called Avodat Avodah. A service for another, another service. What is that? The service of the Levim in singing and playing the music in the Beit HaMikdash and in the Mishkan. For the service of the Kohanim while they're doing the Korbanot, etc. So he, so he points out that the Torah calls it Avodat Avodah, and the term Avodah is referring to a mitzvah, the work of the Kohanim is a mitzvah, and the work of the Levim singing to make a happy attitude is also a mitzvah. So Rabbeinu Bachay learns out that this applies to the entire Torah, that for every mitzvah that you have in the Torah, there's the mitzvah for doing the mitzvah itself, for example, tefillin, and then you get another mitzvah for doing it b'simcha. So again and again, the message is coming out in the Torah that a Jew needs to be positive, needs to be happy. Rav Nosen, who understood Rabbi Nachman better than anybody else, as Rabbi Nachman himself said, he says, no one understands me except for Rav Nosen. He, said, he writes to, in his letters to his son, Rav Yitzchak, he said, I received from Rabbi Nachman that a person should be happy always and should show it 
should walk around with a very happy and positive expression and attitude. And he told his son, and if you see elders of the breast of a Hasidim, students of Rabbi Nachman, who don't walk around with a happy face, that's wrong. Because I received otherwise from Rabbi Nachman, yes, to walk around with a happy expression, to show it, not just to keep it in, but to have it expressed. Yes, it's contagious and it's needed. When you smile, the people smile. It's very obvious, right? Baruch Hashem. So this is the main advice that Rabbi Nachman gives, is to act silly. But, as we know, it doesn't always work, okay? Even now, I tried to make you guys smile, not everyone smiled here, okay? I tried my best. Hard, hard Chicago, cold Chicago people, okay? I tried my best. <laughs> Toronto was a bit harder, but uh, Chicago, you know, we're getting, chipping the, 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 the stone here. So another advice he brings is to dance. Movement. Put on music. Yes. Why should you go to work with just hearing the bad news? All the news, by the way, is always negative. Today, the report is like this. Today in Afghanistan, today in Saudi Arabia, everything is just negative, 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 negative. Any good news? I don't think there's good news. All the news is bad news. Instead of putting on the news, put on some music, some Vizhnitz music, some Karlebach, or Yuda Green, I don't know if you need some Led Zeppelin. I don't know what you need to make you happy, whatever it is, Led Zeppelin, I don't know. But put on something that makes you feel uplifted and good and positive. Plus the dancing, the movement, it's very, very healthy. He says, Rabbi Nachman, that clapping and davening is a big thing. Even though in accepted Jewish societies in the world, you see someone clapping, you think they're Meshuggah. But if a person can do it in a way that doesn't disturb other people, it's very appreciated and very positive. He says, Rabbi Nachman, that when the Jew claps his hands while davening, the haka'ah, the smacking of the hands together, creates heir of Eretz Yisrael, wherever he is. It can be in Timbuktu, it can be in uh, Alabama, whatever. Wherever you are, if you clap your hands while davening, you transform the air around you. This clapping while saying the words of the tefillah brings into you the Kedushat to Eretz Yisrael. So it's like you're standing in Eretz Yisrael and then you breathe in this air and then you say the words of the tefillah, more words of the tefillah. You're saying words of Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is the whole idea of Simcha. We see that with the name of Binyamin, right? We're coming up, we're going to see with the birth of Binyamin that Rachel, when she died, she gave him a name. She called her son Ben-Oni, the son of my mourning, Aninut, because she died with the birth of the son, whereas Yaakov called him Bin-Yamin. So Rashi brings down why that he's, he's called Binyamin because he's the only one of the 12 tribes who's born in Eretz Yisrael. They were all born in Chutz Laaretz. He was born in Eretz Yisrael. And Eretz is called the right side, depending on your positioning. It's on the right side, okay? So they say, they explain even on a deeper level, that Rachel saw that the temple, which is, which is built on the, the Mizbeach, for example, is on the, the, the land that belongs to the tribe of Binyamin. The Beit HaMikdash is going to be destroyed. And the way for us to have it rebuilt is by mourning over the destruction of the temple. To have Avelut over the Choban Beit HaMikdash. So that's Bin Ben Oni. That through crying and mourning, this is how Mashiach is going to come. Yaakov said no. Yes, it's true. You need that part of your day where yes, you express your yearning in the format of mourning. That's the whole idea of mourning Avelut. We have, for example, we lose a, a, a relative. So the mourning is our expression, how much we yearn this person, and we're expressing our lack, which the Chazal Institute, what's considered lack, not to wash, not to wear shoes, to sit on the floor, etc., in order for the yearning to come out, okay? So to the Beit HaMikdash, our mourning is what is, activates the yearning to bring it. So he says, 
Rav Nosen writes this, that even though mourning is something which is positive, and it's needed, yes, but the main key to bring Mashiach is the Simcha. Ki besimcha tetzeu. So he called him Bin Yamin. Yamin is Milashon Simcha also, the right side, right being Chesed. Chesed is the idea of light and Simcha and joy. Yaakov Abinu foresaw, yes, the Jews will be in Agalut. Yes, they have to cry and scream and everything over, the, over what they're going through. But that has to be kept at a minimum. The main effort and energy to invest in is in Simcha, believe it or not. You have many people today, they try to scare us. The world's going to be destroyed. Amisod do tshuva, this and that's going to happen. All types of crazy attitudes that make us feel pressured and negative. That's not the way. There may be some truth in it, but the real truth, the real truth is Simcha is the key to bringing Mashiach. That a Jew succeeds in having Simcha in his life and then radiates it to other people. This is what's going to bring Mashiach. This is the key here, okay? <coughs> so, we have this advice of clapping the hands and dancing and, and, and making music in order to have an uplifting feeling because that's what music does. Music has a power, good music, to make you feel uplifted. That's why it's so important to have nigunim in your life. Nigun is a very big thing to connect you to Hashem. That's why it's something that a person should have constant access to in order to be in a positive attitude. Another advice, sometimes this also doesn't work. So we have this advice called finding the good points. Rabbi Nachman's fundamental teaching is called Azamra, of looking for the good points, which this area is for sure very, very tough, especially a person on himself. Most people today, they're very, very hard on themselves. You didn't do this, you didn't do that. They're always looking at what's missing. Rabbi Nachman teaches this way is very damaging. This past Shabbat, I was with somebody. He had a major down in life. He used to have nice payas, and he used to be, you know, very firm and everything. And now he's a bit modern. He cut off his payas and everything. And he shows me a video of him singing and dancing 10 years ago. He says, look, look how he used to be. Look, I said to him, stop, close that. Don't do that. What you're doing now is not good. You're making yourself feel guilty. I used to be this, I used to be that. That's not the way. What's missing, I used to be that. I used to be stronger. I used to be healthier. I used to be skinnier. You're just hurting yourself. It's just going to make it even worse. That's not the way. The way is to stop. Think of what you're doing now. Think on the good side and build on it. That's it. Something so obvious. This is the key, right? When you wake up in the morning, whether you wake up at, uh, on time, 5, 6, 7, to go to Dove, anywhere, whether you wake up at 10, 11, 12, when you wake up, the halacha says, you say, modani. <laughs> you say, modani. I thank you, Hashem. Modani fanecha. You don't say, oh, why did you do this to me? I'd rather be dead. I woke up so late. This. That's not, I, the halacha to say, modani. The Torah is telling us to be positive. The Torah is giving us the, 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 the positioning to choose the attitude of being positive, okay? This is the big teaching of finding the good. We know it's not easy, but again, if a person gets into it, even to the point where it's like crazy, he's so into it, so it's coming out of his nose, whatever, so then it becomes a part of you, it becomes a part of your subconscious. So that when, again, you're faced with major challenges in life, you go towards the simcha attitude. Automatically, by instinct, by reflex. That's the idea of getting so into it so it becomes a part of you, Bezrat Hashem. Another advice, that all, if all these things don't work, so Rabbi Nachman has another advice in that a person needs to have a tzaddik in his life. Yes, it's not enough just to have, I have Hashem, I have my shul, I have my dafyomi class, I have my shatenstein, I have my, my kehila, I have my rabbi for halacha questions. 
What are you driving me crazy, you wrestlers, about having a tzaddik? Leave me alone. What do I need a tzaddik for? What do I need a tzaddik? So here is something very, very fundamental. That when you face your challenges alone, which is the case when you're facing challenges, because a challenge is not like a halachic question that you go to a rabbi, what do I do in this situation? You're put in a situation where mamash, you're all alone. He says, Rabbi Nachman, a very powerful statement, that a man, a person, has to walk upon a very, very narrow bridge. What does that mean? That yes, you're going to be in situations that you're all alone on this bridge. You're all alone. There's no one who's going to be next to you. You're in a situation where there's no one to be with you to give you that comfort. You're going to be challenged in situations. So when you, because of that, you're going to need a strong foundation that when these situations come along, you can easily thrust back onto this backbone foundation and get nonstop vitality. This is the idea of having a tzaddik. The tzaddikim, their whole inyan is to give life to the Jewish people. Rav Nassim explains the idea in what the Chazal teach in the Gemara about the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash was burnt, the Gemara says, it was destroyed twice. Besides the Kotala Maravi, the enemies of the first and second temple, they burnt the temple, but up to the Yesod, up to the foundations. Not including the foundations. The temple was burnt, the Gag, the roof was burnt, all the way down, 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 but the foundations remain. Foundations of Beit HaMikdash remain. So Rav Nosson explains, the Yesod, which represents in the Kabbalah, the idea of the Tzadikim, it's a pasuk, the tzaddik is a pasuk in Mishnah, and the tzaddik is called the foundation of the, of the world. It's foundation. He's a foundation that you can rely upon. When a person's Beit HaMikdash is burnt, the head, according to the Kabbalah, is like the Kodesh Kodashim, the Holy of Holies, and the heart is like the Mizbech. Okay? You get burnt out in life. You do ter- terrible things. You go through crazy things. The head is burnt. The, the heart is burnt. Everything is burnt. Your Beit HaMikdash is being burnt. If you have a tzaddik that you rest upon, the burning is up to the tzaddik. Meaning what? That if you have access to such a tzaddik, even though you've been burned, you feel to the ground, to the earth, but it's not exactly to the earth. You have this tzaddik who's always shooting at you the boosts of encouragement and vitality to start again and to be b'simcha in life. It's something very, very important. Most people, they have, when they're, when they're faced with mamash, difficult situations, and they fail them. They say 20, 30 years later, if I only knew this back then, if I only heard about this, if I only would have done this back then, it would have been like this and this and that. And why didn't it happen? So we see a person needed that advice. It wasn't there at the time. person didn't have a tzaddik. A tzaddik is someone there who can always give strength for a person to start again and again. We covered a lot, a lot of ideas. The bottom line is that simcha is the key for salvation. Remember that point of Avzushav Rebbe Melech and the clay digger and to use it to know that this is an avenue. And we're not just talking from lip service and just from theoretical. This is literally, this works. This derech works. When you don't know what to do, you don't know what to do. There's like 5,000 options. I can do this or that and you don't know what to do. So the one thing yes to do that can open up to give you some clarity what to do is to work on building up to be b'simcha and taking the positive situation. We'll finish up with just the story of the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov, we tell this story on the last day of Pesach. All Hasidim tell this story. The Baal Shem Tov attempted to reach the Holy Land, Eretz Yisrael, and he reached Istanbul on Pesach. And he spent the night of Pesach 
with a wealthy couple from Berlin who didn't have children for years. And all the doctors gave up on them. All the doctors said, you, you guys are sterile from birth. You can't have kids. And they didn't give up. They truly loved each other. And they really wanted kids. So they were told that there's a miracle worker in the Ukraine. In Mezhbosh, he's called the Baal Shem Tov. So they went looking for him. And they caught up to him on his way to Eretz Yisrael. And they met up with him in Istanbul. And they did the seder together. At the night of the seder, and they were wealthy. So they made a beautiful table for the, in order of the Baal Shem Tov in the seder of the El Pesach. So the Baal Shem Tov told the couple, I know why you came. Before even they, they said their request. I know why you guys came. And I'm blessing you that you will be blessed with a, a boy, a, a Ben Zachar this year. When he said that, the Baal Shem Tov froze and he had what's called an Aliyat neshama, a spiritual ascent that Sadiqim normally have. And his eyes rolled back and his face turned beet red. And the Baal Shem Tov's daughter was there at the time, Odil. She said, I saw my father have many times an Aliyat neshama, but like this, I never saw. With beet red face and his eyes rolled up like that and a scary uh, complexion like that, I, I never saw. After about a few minutes, the Baal Shem Tov closed his eyes, he snapped out, and he said, okay, very well, I will serve Hashem with no Lama Ba. They had no idea what he was talking about. So he explained, he said, as soon as I give a blessing, which is like a decree, Tzaddik Gozer, that you will have a boy this year, they're aroused against me in the heavenly court, a major, major kichug, a major, major prosecution against me. Who are you, the Baal Shem Tov, to alter nature. This man can't have kids, he's born sterile. This woman, she's born sterile. Who are you to make a fixed change in the way that Hashem did things, thus causing a whole interruption in Hashem's system of the Gilgulim, in reincarnations, in Neshamot. Now you have to make a whole new thing for Hashem to, to change all of creation. Who are you to do that? If now it's something temporary like the splitting of the Red Sea, we can understand. If now she's sterile and he can have kids, okay, there's some room. But here it's totally, totally no X, and you're making an opening for that. So there was a major prosecution, he said, in the heavenly court, and, and the, the, the edict was ruled out that the Baal Shem Tov should lose forfeit his portion of the world to come. No Lamaba. So when he heard this initially, he got broken, but then he snapped out. He said, okay, no problem. No Lamaba, great. Now I can serve Hashem, Hashem Shemaim. There's no ulterior motive, everything. What did he do to Baal Shem Tov? He took the scenario which was meant to break him, because that's what they really want. The story continues. He said that afterwards, when they, the prosecution in heaven saw that he was so happy, they said, okay, give him back his Olamaba. It didn't work. As if to say, their main interest in heaven, or the prosecution in heaven of the other side, is to get a person to be broken and sad and depressed. And here, he was able to snap out of it. I have to say just one more point from the Ramban. This is something very important. The Ramban, Nachmanides, he points out that the Hebrew word for the nervous system is called atzabim, ayin tzadik bet yudmem, that's the nerves. And the Hebrew word for sadness is atzvut, also ayin tzadik bet vavtav. The Ramban says that this has a direct effect on this. In other words, sadness is so damaging because this begins to affect the nervous system. And it's proven, it's known, medical science, the Ramban, that when the nervous system conks out, that leads the way to all other damages in the, in the body system. For this reason, Atzvut is damaging on a physical level, on a mental level, on an emotional level. A person has to run away from Atzvut totally like a fire. 
That's why we said all these eight sort of person has to do to be besimcha, even acting silly. It's much more damaging the, uh, the, uh, the nervous system conking out than me falling into some lightheadedness. I'd rather have this than that, chas shalom. I need to be alive. Pikuach nefesh, right? So, so, so this, is, uh, this is why Rabbi Nachman also teaches, and we'll finish with this, that simcha is the healer. Simcha is the biggest refuah. You see many times that a person, he's not feeling well, he gets sick, okay? So he goes to the doctor, the doctor gives him bad news, the person gets even worse. The bad news made the guy feel even worse now. It would be better not even to hear the bad news. I don't need a doctor for that. It says in the Torah, the doctor has permission to heal. A doctor doesn't have permission to make you bad news to make you feel even worse. That's not his job. God forbid. I don't need a doctor for that. It's now to give me the positive boost to find a way how to come back to Hashem, how to be healthy, okay? For this reason, Rabbi Nachman teaches Simcha is the big healer physically, spiritually, and mentally. Yeratzon, we should be besimcha. Oh, my darling, act funny, be happy, be besimcha. It's contagious, it's good, it's positive, it helps. Bezat Hashem. Chazak If you have any questions or whatever, any comments now? All right. Oh, it's only because of Simcha Mitzvah. Chazaku Baruch. Thank you. Forgot about that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yashakor.